You are listening to the Enormo Cast. One would think that a dirtbag like Alex Honnold would sit back and let that sweet, sweet free solo money wash over him, like the sweat washed over your armpits watching him paddle up the free blast sans rope. Didn't look exactly solid, did it? But he ain't partying with DiCaprio quite yet. Instead, he's doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on the Honnold Foundation, his nonprofit dedicated to creating equity through solar projects around the globe. And now Black Diamond is giving you a swank opportunity to get on board with the Honnold Signature Chalk Bag and Solution Harness. What's the chalk bag like? Well, you know, I've got one. It holds chalk. Sits there for when you're sweaty. No dumb pockets or zippers or anything. And the Solution Harness, well, Alex Honnold doesn't always climb in a harness, but when he does, it's a solution. But most importantly, the Honnold Foundation gets a kickback from BD every time you buy a Honnold Signature product. So check them out at blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local shop. And if you don't want commerce getting in the way of your giving, donate directly at honoldfoundation.com and keep that ratty old harness that scares your partners. Hey folks, have you fiends seen the Don Waller free solo yet? Well, spoiler alert. The one thing all the principal climbers in those amazing films have in common besides the bedhead and spectacular abs are TC Pros from Sportiva. That's right. Those fellows trusted their dreams to the face and crack shoe designed by Caldwell himself to tackle the big stone all day, every day. And Tommy wants your dreams to come true, too. So if you want to stick to rock like your elbows stick to the table at Golden Corral and you want your toes to luxuriate inside cracks like it's their home, That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Then check out the TC Pros and all of Sportiva's great shoes at Sportiva.com or your favorite local shop. And yeah, TC stands for Tommy Caldwell. Am I the only one that took a while to figure that out? We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, out. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll say, really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed having with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And the fine folks at La Sportiva. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Kalous. It is about 10.30 in the morning on October 26, 2018, and this is episode 162 of the Normacast, a conversation with visually impaired climber Justin Salas. Yeah, that's right. A guy who can't really see, but has climbed V11 anyway. He also just won the championships in his category in Innsbruck. So pretty impressive young climber, this guy, Justin, and I'm excited to share this conversation with you guys. But before we get to that, I would like to call for submissions for a listener mail episode. Yes, it's been a long time since the Normacast delved into listener mail. I think maybe the last time was when Cedar Wright tried to uh, torpedo his career by making inflammatory statements about booty shorts. We're going to try to do another one. Anyway, I am not going to have Cedar on this time, although Cedar's always welcome back on the show. I don't know if he's gun shy about coming on the Enormacast now or not. But nevertheless, listener mail coming up. I would like you guys to submit your questions. They can be questions of any type. And you can submit them only in one way this time because I can't handle all the different message streams between Facebook messaging and Instagram messaging and Twitter messaging and the telephone and texts and I have my personal accounts. I got my normal account. It's too much. I'm just a simple caveman. So this is how you're going to get your listener mail to me is one way and one way only. 
Email me at chris at enormacast.com, but please put listener mail in the subject. That's a direct conduit. So hopefully we'll get to your question if you have a good one. Uh, We only usually do about three or four the way those things go. But anyway, send me a listener mail. I often answer them anyway, even if they don't get on the show. So once again, chris at enormacast.com and put listener mail in the subject. And we'll see if we can get one of those shows done. They're usually a lot of fun. Even that one with Cedar was a lot of fun, you have to admit. (laughs) All right. Let's get to Justin, young climber out of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that, that hotbed of, of climbing. I know there's a, there's a handful of Oklahoma listeners that's ears just perked up. Anyway, Justin's coming out of there. He is visually impaired, not completely blind, but unfortunately, the degeneration of his eyesight continues, but he's got a great positive attitude, worked through some darkness, pun intended. To get to where he is today, a totally psyched boulderer and a burgeoning competition roped climber. Actually, he's quite good at that at this point. I'll say a burgeoning outdoor roped climber, which is a a bigger deal when it comes to not being able to see as we talk about in the interview. So hope you guys dig this one. Pretty inspirational kid. And once again, if you want to follow somebody who's doing something really cool in climbing, uh, get on his program. We also talked to his friend, Matt Frederick, who climbs with him. It's kind of a seeing eye person quite a bit. And uh, halfway through the interview, I decided to bring Matt in, even though we hadn't planned on that. So you'll hear a little interlude, and then the audio changes a little bit because I had to switch to just a recorder sitting in the area between us, which works, but is not my favorite way to record because it gets a lot of the surrounding noise. But it was kind of done on the fly as we brought in a third person that kind of changed my setup. I think it sounds fine. But I just want to kind of give you that heads up as that changes a little bit while you're listening to the recording. Also, I want to shout out to Tension Climbing. The guys at Tension Climbing set this up. I didn't really know what Tension Climbing was, only vaguely. Because, you know, Grandpa Caloose over here still fiddling with his hexes. But anyway, went over to their headquarters to get this one. Will Anglin and Ben Spanuth over there at Tension Climbing. Both those guys would be worthy of a show, maybe together, maybe separately. So I was glad to meet those guys, and we set up in a little closet at their place. So there's a little bit of background noise, but I think it turned out pretty good considering the sitch. All right, enough excuses about my sound. Isn't that some sort of cliche in podcasting? That's what the Enormacast is good for, hitting all those cliches. Let's get to it. A conversation with Justin Salas. drink during it and so then that can lead to like somebody slandering someone in a way that sure. maybe they're like oh I probably shouldn't have said that yeah yeah um, I guess like I said we can start with um, the, the the big enormous question uh, about what kind of climber you are mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe you know talk a little bit about how you pull it off and if you sort of have your adaptive methods to mm-hmm. to to boulder and to climb yes yeah, so I'm a boulder for for the most of it Bouldering has kind of been the easiest thing for me to gravitate towards as a visually impaired climber. Just as a climber, it was the most accessible at my gym back home. Where is um, that? No, so the, I started at an old gym in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma okay. called New Heights. And we, we were about the size of uh, Tennessee Bouldering Academy, okay. just tiny. Okay. Um, it was a 20-year-old facility that was a, a pool, a diving school, actually. And so they just revamped it into a climbing gym, built walls down into the pool. And then we have a little upstairs bouldering area with, like, all these little, old nasty mats. Okay. It's pretty interesting. I mean, that's the perfect kind of, like, laboratory where, you know, these 
not to necessarily call you a phenom, um, but that that kind of person comes out of mm-hmm. it's, you know what I mean, like the old sellers in in uh, in Sheffield and stuff like yeah. that. They just emerge like you know <laughs> creatures from the deep yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you for sure. I mean? And if everything's like laid out for you, I don't know. Maybe you just don't have the like eye of the tiger. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I interrupted you. No, yeah, totally. I just envision that. Like, I mean, it's similar. Like, right. you know, it has just what you need to get strong and nothing more. And like, you're. It's funny because we always joked about us, the people that came from that facility, or at least the boulderers. Um, we don't have the best endurance because you know the walls are only ten feet tall in some of the areas. So it's like, well, the hardest moves are only like three, three, three or four moves, and then it's just like, oh, sick. Now I'm at the top. All right, well, how can we add more of this? You get like all these little wavy things, and like right. it's just like a big home. Woody. That's okay. Endurance is for old people like <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny now that I'm getting into the, the paraclimbing, you know, competitions and stuff mm-hmm. like that where I need to have, like, serious endurance. I find that, like, sure, I can, like, you know, the VA boulder problem is no problem through, like, some of these things. And then it's like, oh, well, now you're punting off the 512 or 511 at the top. And it's like, right. come on, man. <laughs> yeah, the age-old story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of funny. I'm kind of the anomaly in adaptive or blind climbing, visually impaired climbing, because all those guys only climb or predominantly only do rope climbing because uh-huh. it's they're just endurance is incredible right um, but for me it's just the strength endurance being able to hold positions for so long and uh, feel my way around and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, but yeah we started in the small small little facility we recently upgraded to uh, we got a new owner um, and then we rebranded from new heights to climb Tulsa uh, we have a brand new facility that's really really nice it's about 17 thousand square feet give or take a couple thousand <laughs> right um and so i've been route setting there for several months and uh-huh. um doing it commercially has been a lot of fun and yeah way cool read that you started to lose your vision i mean you'd, you'd, you'd had glasses and sure uh, you know since you were a kid but it sounded like more in your teens yeah is climbing pre or post that? Did you were you into it beforehand, or or is it something you found after? So I think if I can remember this right, I may have tried it. No, I don't think. So I think when I um, started climbing was post losing my vision. Okay. Um, I started losing my vision around fourteen. I was like a pretty normal kid, all that jazz before beforehand. I grew up riding BMX and playing soccer, and you know kind of normal kid things and then you know when my, when my vision started decreasing and um <coughs> dissolving i i still continued trying to do the usual you know like i can still play soccer i can still ride bikes i can still play paintball you know stuff like that um and slowly but surely started realizing that it wasn't necessarily going to be the case um mm-hmm. although i did bmx was the kind of the last thing for me to stop doing um but it was an interesting way to like transition there was a, a brief moment i spent several years literally not doing anything after i lost my vision i was dealing with a lot of depression a lot of um you know dealing with the fact that this is a huge life altering event and the doctors are telling me it's not going to get any better you're going to learn to have to live with it and it is going to continue to get worse um and then i was just like all right well life's essentially over right. you know it was a thought whenever you're 15 years old you know um and then well so, i mean it, you know if it hit an adult that there's no like there's no easy way to sure to yeah, yeah. just accept that unless i mean you're some sort of superhuman but um, but yeah it would have to be hard no matter who it was sure yeah i mean it was a lot i mean i was a rebellious little shit when i was young anyway and so i was just like well i guess i kind of dealt with that and then a buddy of mine that i used to ride bmx with when i was little i hadn't seen him in years and he uh I heard a bike coming down the street. I was out front, and um, his name was Bo, and he yelled, Hey, Justin, you know, and I was like, Who's that? You know, like, what's going on? And he pulled up, and he's like, Hey, it's Bo, you know. How have you been, man? It's been years. And uh, he was telling me he actually moved back into the neighborhood, and he asked if I still rode bikes, and I told him I'd, I gave my bike away. And, you know, it was just telling him, like, the series of events that sure. led to this like moment. like he had no idea. Yeah, right, for sure. And he was just like, I remember him just, like, sitting next to me, just silent, like, wow. You know, I grew up with this kid, you know, mm-hmm. since I was six and he was four. And um, 
it was really cool because he didn't say like anything and then he I remember him just saying like you want to go ride <laughs> I was like what I, what are you talking about I just told you I, I gave my stopped riding bikes I gave my bike away like what do you mean he's like well I have an extra bike you want to try it again it's like alright well cool um, so he ended up going and getting it and I ran inside and I was like I'm going riding bikes again and told my, my parents that and um, they're like you're joking right and I was like no he Bo, Bo's, Bo's back you know he brought a bike and um, that my all my mom said was don't die <laughs> and uh, that's cool yeah so it was yeah. like this whole thing that just kind of happened um, I started well what did that look like I mean, what, in I'm, terms of, so Bo goes gets his bike. Yeah. And how are you riding bikes? How, so does, I, it, how does it work? So it was, it's it's that age old saying, you know, you never forget how to ride a bike kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's mm-hmm. as easy as riding a bike. Um, so I remember, you know, I could still ride it. I could still uh, do some tricks on it and stuff like that, but I couldn't, you know, see anything. I just knew how it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bo, you know, slowly, we just started like slowly riding around the neighborhood the sound of his gears i would just follow his bike and he would yell you know whatever's in the way car whenever i needed to stop and he'd yell stop whenever ever i needed to stop and eventually we just kind of learned this process of um he would keep me safe while we were out cruising around Mm -hmm. um and then getting back into kind of for the freestyle side of things i kind of learned that if i wanted to like do a 180 or 360 down however many steps i would just walk him down the steps several times and memorize how many there are the height of them and like he would often times like either lay his bike down next to this where the stair starts spin his wheel or something to make sound or he would stand there and be like it's right here we would just kind of develop all these little systems and then eventually i was able to do it off of sound and memory and things like that we should be doing the podcast about this <laughs> yeah like, just this about is incredible that there's two things that are, it's incredible what 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 you're doing i mean if you're jumping off of stairs and and landing and not like terrified. Um, I mean, the fear was very much. Okay, still there. yeah, I mean, but it, you know, I'd be terrified doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, blindfolded or not. Sure. I mean, but, it was uh, but you were scared. Okay, you yeah. were scared. Yeah. And but did it take much convincing or like? Not really. No. I mean, I've always I still just kind of like you know trying to find grit in my life i've mm-hmm. always been the person that like if i'm not progressing i'm not happy right. i don't i don't know if that's a good thing like you know people are always like you're fucking try hard or whatever and right. i'm just like that's just how i how i've right. always been i really enjoy progressing at whatever it is i'm doing mm-hmm. um, and i when i started riding bmx there was a guy that i always looked up to uh, his name was harry main um he rode for monster and you know countless people mm-hmm. um and you know, he always said, you know, if I'm not scaring myself every time I go out and ride my bike, then I don't feel like I'm doing a good job. And I'm like, it resonated with me a lot because mm. I was like, he actually kind of verbalized what I had always been feeling, but I didn't really understand kind of the coinciding thing. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I kind of took that to heart. So every time I went out riding bikes, I would always try something new, even if I just like ate shit or like, you know, did something that was just scary right um and so trying to just progress and all that jazz and well the other point that i was going to make i said there's two i do that a lot on this i say i'll oh, make two things and then the second one disappears but i want to make the second point is this kid Bo, this guy Bo. Yeah. i mean you know for him to walk down there and sit down next to you make that offer but then be someone who's sensitive enough mm-hmm. to create these, again, I'll call them adaptations, whatever, for sure. you to be able to do these things as, I mean, how old were you guys? We were, oh man, I think I was 15. He was probably 13 or 14. Yeah, so here's a 13 or a 14 year old kid who's creating, you know, ways for you to do this, or you both are, I mean, together. Right. But nevertheless, I mean, you, you're coming up with stuff that, like, you know, a university, like, adaptive sports program would spend years mm-hmm. like trying to figure out well how is it we can you know and they'd make some sort of you know special beeping device sure. that was like you know $35,000 in the making or a hundred thousand or a million dollars sure, sure, yeah, and yeah. here's Bo like oh we'll just spin this wheel and you <laughs> yeah. can fucking hear it and yeah, you yeah. jump off the stairs then. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean like yeah. it's like, like there should be a movie about sure, Bo yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know where he's at now. I hope well, he's okay. Well, he's actually, so I, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's awesome the way that our friendship worked out because he grew up riding motocross and, like, mm-hmm. I was always just around him and his dad, you know, doing all these awesome mm-hmm. things. But my family didn't ever have the money to do, you know, these, like, motocross sports. I didn't even have enough money to buy a bike. He just called me one day and was like, hey, man, I found a BMX bike. And I was like, how'd you do that? Oh, someone broke his arm in the skate park. And he was like, I don't want to ride bikes anymore. So I ended mm-hmm. up with a Hoffman bike, you know, oh, and cool. it was super awesome. Um, so, you know, all that BMX experience and all that time, you know, kind of scaring myself and finding grit and like the running into the back of parked cars or going down hills or, um, you know, realizing that this ledge is taller than I thought it was and then just going end over the bars, mm-hmm. you know, and just like constantly hitting pavement, you know. Um, and then eventually uh, my friend Nick... Uh, he worked at the New Heights, and um, he told me, hey, man, you don't need to be able to see to climb. And I was kind of like, bullshit, dude. I feel like climbing is something that you really need to see to be able to do because you're at height. You know, there's like, you have to be able to see where you're going, all these different things. He was like, all right, shoot, suit yourself. You know, mm-hmm. don't come try it. Um, but he kept kind of mentioning it to me here and there, like, I'll, I'll, you know, GM wants me to come set some routes. And I'm like, oh, you're constantly interested in it. Um, so I tried it, and, you know, in between the BMX kind of world when I was still doing that, it was fun, but I didn't really have the money for the membership and because um, they were doing yearly at the time. Um, and then I was just, like, you know, focused on riding bikes because mm-hmm. it was kind of the first step. It was, like, something that I was brought back to. Sure. Um, but eventually um, I just kind of st- stopped riding bikes and came and tried climbing again. And it's stuck. And that was when I was 22, so about three and a little over three and a half years ago. Okay. And I just got obsessed. Me and uh, me, and my buddy Michael and Daniel went to the gym for our, not for my first time, but I mean, I think they may have climbed one or two other times. But we like kind of went there, committed to like let's learn climbing because we had gotten into backpacking and all these different things, and we just thought it was the next evolution of being an outdoorsman or whatever. But you know, coming into the gym, I just was like so psyched. Like, I guess climbing does that to everybody. I kind of walked into it with a new mind. I started climbing about six, even sometimes seven days a week for as long as my body would let me climb. And, I, you know, I mean, you remember waking up some mornings where my hands had so much pain in them that I like, couldn't do anything until I warmed them up again. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me every day. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't even right. climb. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, sometimes I still have those moments where I'm just like, here we go. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's kind of where it all started. And then I just overheard somebody at the gym talking to uh, one of the guys that was there. And uh, he was talking about some boulder problem. And um, I asked, you know, I was just listening. And um, he asked... Uh, how hard is that? And um, my friend at the time was like, oh, it was, it was pretty easy, you know? And then the response was, oh, no, not for us mortals. And I said, oh, this must be the strong guy. <laughs> I want to be better than that guy. All oh, right. But, you know, of course, being a visually impaired guy coming into it and no one really knew who I was, I was just like thinking, oh, I want to be that good. I want to be able to climb with this guy. I'm sure... I'm sure he could teach me a lot of things. And eventually I kind of found my, my group with the Stronger Boulderers, and they taught me you know everything it is that I knew. And they kind of realized that I worked a bit different than your average new climber. And they were gracious enough to teach me um, and kind of mentor me and bring me up into this. And so now they're, those are my peers and the people I climb with back home and kind of developed into a boulderer and then mm-hmm. uh, kind of turned into the adaptive competition scene when we went to the Sewell showdown with uh, my buddy Chris. We were just there to support him, but there was a, a gal there um, named Amy who has been working with uh, adaptive climbers and adaptive programs, and she saw me with my cane, and she asked if I was a climber. And I told her, yeah, you know, like I mostly climb outside, and she asked if I had ever competed, and I was like, are you kidding me? That's yeah, I'm not good enough to compete. And she told me about the adaptive leagues and that I should consider it and I think I remember like messaging her and just you know could you tell me more about it and she put me in touch with the right people and then they got me into uh, what is now this whole adaptive climbing competition world so going back to start or starting to climb um, yeah. and wanting to be better and working with these 
these uh, these other boulderers. So what were the things that you found needed to do? Everybody who listens to the show knows something about climbing, but what does it look like to you in terms of how, how what are your adaptations or what were you figuring out, like the wheel on the, the buzzing wheel on the edge of the stairs? Sure. Or, or isn't there any? Are you just uh, sort of figuring out beta and then remembering it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was the discovery of you know trying to figure out how to do it on my own for the you know several weeks first getting into climbing mm-hmm. i was worried that i couldn't go without michael or daniel because i was like these are the people that know me these are the people that i trust to help me you know ask telling me where holds are and okay. like describing the routes to me and things like that so i was always really kind of nervous about wanting to do it by myself and then i just i didn't live very far away from the gym and so eventually i just started telling my parents take me to the gym you know i just just draw me off so i had my parents drop me off at the gym i just started talking with all the people in the community and explaining my situation to them they were all kind enough to you know help me out as much as they could um eventually i kind of started learning the processes of um how to memorize sequences and i enjoyed doing bouldering because i could kind of do it sort of by myself you know i didn't need a belay partner all the time um, and our rope climbing area was tiny i mean it was it wasn't the most fun right. thing to me and i enjoyed doing the things that were the most challenging to me which were mm-hmm. the hard moves um and so i ended up coming back to the guy that originally taught me how to do my top rope safety class which was matt frederick um I, and i the first time i did my tr class with daniel was with matt and um he started, you know, kind of talking to us, and I hadn't told him I was visually impaired yet. He, uh, you know, started, he was like, oh, you know, check this out and look at this and all this stuff. And I was like, pause. <laughs> I can't see what you're doing. Um, I'm actually, you know, explain the whole story to him. I'm visually impaired, yada, yada, yada. And uh, he was like, you know, pause. Okay, cool. I'll, we'll just take this a different approach. And then started teaching me how to tie the knot, you know, tactilely and all these different things. And um that turned into like oh this guy he's a cool dude you know and then we just started getting to talk about bouldering and um yeah i found out that he was a boulderer but he also you know was a a teacher there and a coach and our friendship just kind of grew and him him and i ended up just started going on climbing trips together he just Mm -hmm. kind of took me under his wing a little bit and um his crew was the same kind of boulder crew that i was uh climbing with and it just kind of blossomed into our you know kind of Part, climbing partner slash site guide um, partnership and friendship. He's here. He is here. That's which guy is uh, Matt Frederick. Is Matt. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same Matt. Can we bring him in here in a little bit? Sure. I think he'll want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's um, keep going though. But I yeah, think yeah. It'd be cool to, to to have him talk about what it's like to, to climb yeah. with you and his part of the deal. That'd be awesome. Yeah, cool. Um, and so after you know, kind of climbing on my own and kind of learning how to at least teach people how to guide me in in a way um even if i couldn't see high enough up to find the holds and i'd have people describe things to me it was still a lot of you know i call it like uh mowing the lawn so to say you know or washing a windshield or something so you like you know hold a hold a grip for however long it takes to feel your way around and then you know once you find it you like grab that one and pull it's it like down and lock training. it off yeah i mean it's I great mean, if you've got to lock off like and wait for your hand to find the next hole for sure it's, that's got to be awesome yeah actually. i mean <laughs> i mean i don't know maybe you don't think so well no it was fantastic some badass lock off strength yeah no because i i've you know i've only been climbing for three and a half years and so you know i immediately just wanted to project the things that my friends are projecting mm-hmm. you know some of them been climbing for over a decade and so i was just like i want to be there too but it just so happened that my visual impairment made it in a way that i had to work harder at every single aspect mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. climbing whether it be endurance or strength power endurance you name it um, it's just way more physical for me um, and so all that being said, I progressed up to their level within two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was climbing around V7 or V8 by that time. And then, you know, I wanted to continue to progress. And then that turned into being able to climb the V11 within three, three or four years. And so um, I had a couple of questions. So first of all, it occurs to me while we're talking about this, that bouldering 
actually is pretty perfect. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can work roots, roots on, a, on a rope, but sure. it's way more inconvenient. Right. And so as far, I mean, the way most people go about bouldering is basically the way you're going about doing it. Sure. You futz around, you touch the holds, you figure out, you memorize where they are. Sure. Um, you're, I mean, you've obviously got, you know, the, there's the difficulties between you and, and them in terms of those things. But in the end, when you're, you know, got something where you're actually climbing on it and going for, you know, the send. Sure. They've done all that same stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And and you can you can work on a problem with like so much more convenience than let's say a sport route or something sure. like that. So it just kind of seems like you found the thing that actually does make the most sense. Yeah, for you almost by moment. I mean by accident, right. but you know, kind of not by just because I've always been kind of a physical, stronger, athletic individual. Sure, I didn't want to give up give up that part of my life. So bouldering was perfect in the way that it was just like the most brutal, hard thing I could think of. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in climbing that I could do. Um, so it was really easy to go into, like, well, it's only, like, 10 or 15 moves. It's not as hard to memorize as, mm-hmm. like, a sport climb that's, you know, 100 feet long. Sure. That's got, you know, all these different positions. Now you have to take into consideration how to find my bolts. Um, even, you know, finding bolts on a, on a climb is, like, damn near impossible right, for me. Right, right. Um, and so on-siding sport climbs is definitely difficult for me. <laughs> unless I've got my okay. mat with me that can, you know, uh, do a lot of the calling for me. Right. Um, and so I've definitely gotten better on siding since I've started doing all the World Cup stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, going back to the bouldering, it was, it was perfect, you know. Um, it taught me all the skills that I needed to know about, you know, how to move your body in certain situations, how to move from position to position, mm-hmm. how to get the finger strength and lock-off strength and um, all the everything needed, basically, to be a well, well-rounded climber, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that started translating into the competition stuff and just, you know, falling in love with climbing more and more and more. So, yeah, it's been... It's been really cool. So how's like your um, how's your dynoing? Dynoing is actually surprisingly really good. Okay. No, it's not. Not so oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, dynamic moves for me are very difficult, right. especially um, especially like all points off moves. Oh yeah. It's those, a lot of those are, those are like trick climbing anyway yeah i mean <laughs> superhuman tricks you know right. stupid human tricks yeah. um yeah no it's a lot of feeling just the positions you mm-hmm. know you and then just guess it like yeah yeah i'll oftentimes like overshoot the hold and then you know drag my down fingers on. down on the wall as i'm coming that's back how I do to it, it. Too. sick yeah yeah <laughs> so that's no different either <laughs> yeah it's, it's a lot of fun it's funny though because i'm like a kind of a more powerful person just mm-hmm. being a bmx rider right just you know bunny hops and like flat ground 360s and things like that was what I was used to so I loved doing dinos mm-hmm. but I suck at them right. so it's kind of this ebb and flow sort, mm-hmm. sort of thing mm-hmm. so um, I usually climb everything as statically as I possibly sure. can which and is again it's probably turning you into just like one of the strongest humans alive. I mean, <laughs> next, next to some of my peers, yeah. I'm just like, how on earth? You right, know? right. But I mean, to have to move slowly or to lock off or and do things statically that other people are doing, uh, even a little bit dynamically, if not like full dyno. Sure. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's obviously. It's one bag or one trick in your bag. You may not have that well, sure, but yeah, yeah. you know, there's. Not every problem, but there's ways around things like yeah. that, I would imagine. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and it's, it's great because I came into climbing watching, like, Paul Robinson and Daniel Woods and Jimmy and Dave. And, like, these are the people of my generation. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, just always watching their styles. And I, I noticed that, you know, Daniel and I would blow these videos up on my 27-inch huge-ass monitor and just, okay. like, sit right in front of the screen, you know, and just, like, trying to zoom in on it. And uh, I noticed that Daniel did a lot of these things where he would pull with his feet. Mm-hmm. And I kind of realized that that was something that would be so key for me because oftentimes, instead of just, like, trying to hold a one-arm and feel around, if I were to put two points or three points and grapple with my feet and pull with that hand that I could stay on the wall way longer and it would give me more time to feel around Mm -hmm. and so that just kind of became my style of trying to emulate daniel's climbing and it turned into something like way more than i thought it was going to um and so it you know 
definitely continued to teach me these different skills that now I take into sport climbing. And wanting to project harder sport climbers now, and kind of coming back to, well, I've done the bouldering, and I'm, I'm going to continue bouldering because it's the thing I love the most. Right. But now I want to take that into sport climbing and climbing mm-hmm. harder sport climbs. Okay. So. Yeah, that seems, I mean, it sounds like it's your personality, but uh, it, that seems daunting to move into big, long roped climbs, like sure. you said. But obviously, that's probably why you're going to do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah my, my friend RJ <laughs> wants to take me to the Red, and she's just right. so psyched because she, she lived there for a while. Right. And so, you know, she's just trying to get me to go, and I'm like, okay, you know, right. like, here we go. Let's go and try and get on a, you know, 120, 120 foot pitch with 45 degree overhang. You know, let's see how this goes. But I'm really up for the challenge. I think okay. it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's call it quits at free soloing, though. Or yeah, at least, I don't. At least on-site free soloing. Yeah, yeah, we'll do non-site free soloing. <laughs> That'll be way better. <laughs> so I, I was actually, actually all all this time, and actually since I walked into the to the building here, um, I've been curious about your vision and um, what it is you're able to at this point see. Sure. In terms of because you've talked about being able to be really close to a screen, I've watched you be on your phone really close. Mm-hmm. So what does sort of the world look like when you're climbing? Sure. Um, in, in your in your world and in your mind. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I guess climbing for me is pretty bizarre. I guess the world's pretty bizarre. I mean, um, so I, I have a round. Um, 10% of my vision left in the center of my vision. So when I look at you, I can see there were there possibly dots, you know, where your eye should be, but that's about it. And it depends on skin color and contrast and all these varying things. Um, I'd say like 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm looking at. And then my peripheral vision still works. So I can okay. kind of fake it like I can see, but my my peripheral vision is still compromised. It's not the same as what most people see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can't read out of your peripheral. It's a pretty reactionary-based thing. I can not bump into things, and I can see where things are in, okay. in my world but or kind of where objects are in my world, so I can kind of avoid them and get around for the most part. Like, I don't often use my cane. My cane is mostly for identification purposes or like if I really need it and I'm out by myself and people really need to understand that I'm blind or visually impaired then I'll get it out and I'm like I'm not fucking with you guys like okay so it's like a signal to yeah. social signal to sure. everybody that yeah yeah oftentimes otherwise there's no way me. me sitting here talking to you I will I would have any idea. Sure. If we're just chilling here. Well, I mean, it's. I appreciate that because there's a lot of work that has gone into that. Oh, really? I uh, I went to the school for the blind for several weeks okay. in, in Oklahoma to do a bunch of training and like learn how to be an independent person. And I just realized that all those kids were the most awkward people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Just no social skills. They're kind of kept in. I mean, not. It sounds kind of cruel, but um, they. They're in a boarding school, and they don't get out into the public that often, and they're raised, you know, because they spend their high school and, you know, their whole grade school life there. And then I just kind of decided I I never wanted that to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, And as great as all those kids were, I mean, they were all fantastic kids, you know. They're, you know, the way they coped with everything was amazing. And the way they, you know, overcome it all was incredible for me to, like, see other blind people just doing it. Um, but, you know, a little awkward. I didn't want that to be me. Right. I remember what it was like to be normal. Um, and so I told myself that would never be me. How old were you when you were doing that? That was in actually my senior year of high okay. school. But you're still a high school kid. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. being awkward and, and weird is the it's pretty normal. worst goddamn yeah, yeah. thing in the world, you know, for somebody, a teenager. For sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so I just kind of, you know, of course decided that it, I didn't want that to be me. And um, I just took it upon myself to be attentive to where voices are, how to follow an eye line off of a voice. I find myself looking at TVs, even if I can't see what the fuck's on it. I'm just like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna act like I can see. The thing that people do, yeah. Yeah, just because whenever people are sitting around me and they don't know, or maybe they do know, but I'll still point my head in that direction. Because it's kind of weird if everyone's watching a movie and I'm just staring at the ground, <laughs> you know? like, And of course... I mean, you're doing this for other people, too, because... I mean, you probably know that it, it, any any type of uh, you know disability or whatever can create you know tension in the room sure. and make people act weird and sure. awkwardly and, and stuff like that. So sure. I mean, to have just like quote unquote a normal time, mm-hmm. it's really 
I mean, it's it's sort of giving of you in a sense to to be like, yeah, I want to make you guys comfortable. Sure, you know. So I, yeah. I mean, that's got uh, something that is a. I mean, it's an interesting uh, sort of tactic. Sure, and I'm definitely blowing the secret, so everyone's okay. going to know if they that's meet right. me. Well, he act, he's acting like he can see. I but. didn't know which person you were when I walked in. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw, I looked at pictures of you bouldering, but you can't. You know, I, sure. I didn't see any profile pics of yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, all boulders yeah. look the same. You know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, when I walked in, I was like, "Who is it? Which one? Which guy is it?" And you know, like I said, if you walked up and said, oh, hey, I'm Bobby, I would have been like, okay, cool, is Justin here? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. That's pretty yeah. wild, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, whenever I'm just hanging out with my friends, you know, kind of away from people I don't know, I just kind of go back to just, like, letting my eyes sag and just kind of doing the normal things that I feel like I can kind of relax with. Okay, cool. So it is, I mean, it is like an effort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, conscious sort of yeah. effort. It, it, something that, you know, I'm not doing consciously. You're you're consciously working. Sure. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Is it, is it exhausting? It is. Yeah. Yeah, I... I well, thank you. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do find myself sleeping than the average person because just like the day-to-day is just exhausting. And mm-hmm. my optic nerves are still atrophying and they're going to continue to. Um, so, you know, putting them through even more strain day-to-day and just trying to, you know, make my eyes not wander, you know, trying to stay focused um, is, you know, can be taxing. And so I find myself just kind of being like, you know what? I just need to not be here right now and just go back to kind of being a little bit more introverted, which is kind of who I am anyway. Well, cool. I I just invited Matt Frederick into the room. We we were just talking about you. Justin was talking about meeting you, and um, I kind of want to ask you a few questions from your perspective of, you know, what you were thinking when you first met Justin who's wanting to climb and how you kind of you know ended up here where, where you guys are you know best friends and work together and and uh, I mean I assume right yeah, you yeah, guys like totally. each other yeah, absolutely. for the most part every, every now and then again we <laughs> want to kill each other yeah. Yeah. any friends yeah, together, yeah I mean right? if you travel together <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. time and stuff yeah. so. but anyway can, can you sort of enlighten us and, and maybe then we'll talk about your perspective on a little bit on his climbing and how he gets it done and and what you guys have worked on together on that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I remember when Justin came into the gym for the first time while I was there. And I was working the front desk and teaching top rope training courses. And I think I just started coaching in the facility. And he comes in with a friend. And, you know, he says, you know, want to take the top rope training course, want to learn how to belay and all this stuff. And so I said, okay, and so that we get get the gear going and get over there, and he said, I, I just want to let you know, I can't see any of the things that you're doing at all. And I said, oh, okay, well, all right, new challenge. He tricked you, too. Yeah, yeah, he got me. Okay. He got me. Sure. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> we got all the way through the front, the front desk and got, we were starting to set up, and he was like, I can't see anything. And I was like, well, you know, all right, well, let's go. And so I just saw it as a new challenge for me, teaching-wise. Instantly, I was like, cool, new challenge. I'm going to get him going. And he's here. He's going to get it. And so, and he, and he did remarkably well, you know, one of my quickest to ever pick it up, you know. And I just used more tactile information, you know, tra- had, had his finger trace the, trace the figure eight, you know, and we're going to reweave that. We're just going to replicate that. You're going to put that here and here. And I just had his finger and I touched the places and, and he just, boom, like picked it up like it was nothing for him. Now, did you have any sort of background in any of that? It just was off the top of your head? Or? Well, okay. So I'd had a few students prior <laughs> to, and, and probably within a month's time that had both been hearing impaired. Okay. Okay, and so the challenges that presented themselves in that, and then I had another student that didn't speak English at all, mm-hmm. and so it was all basically a silent course, you mm-hmm. know, and which was really interesting. The same with the hearing impaired, and so you know, he came along, and I, you know, I was like, "Well, okay, I've, I've I've done this. I got them through it. I can get him through it, you know." And so. He got her, and he's—he's. He's, it's funny because now he's my favorite belayer, you know. And 
Yeah, I mean, I feel I I haven't dropped him yet. No, no, I mean, he's definitely given me some airy whips, but you know, (laughs) I guess everybody has. But yeah, you know, it's it's all in good fun, you know, and we're, you know, there's a lot of trust between us, and just like keeping you on your toes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. the sharpening aspect of our relationship. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's a cool story, and it could have ended there. You could know, like you mm-hmm. like oh, I went and go home and like yeah talked this talked mm-hmm. this, this blind dude how to climb it and it was really mm-hmm. cool but it didn't end there so no. tell me a little bit of the progression into sure. into basically you guys you know be, being this team um, this sort of climbing team yeah so he climbed for a while on ropes and he began to explore the gym and ended up upstairs in our bouldering area and then he just kind of stayed there. And I, that's where I was all the time, mm-hmm. you know, bouldering. And so he, I'd be in there, he'd be in there, and he'd be asking me questions about shoes. I remember specifically, what do you think about the, you know, the solution, you know, and what do you think about this shoe and this shoe? And I said, well, you know, there's a lot of good shoes out there. I've climbed in the solution. It's great, you know. And we just started connecting, you know, and, oh, well, have you climbed this route? And, oh, this and that. And, you know, so it just kind of sparked this friendship you know and and i saw how psyched he was and how much potential he had as a climber i mean he was able to like climb v3 or four in our gym within a matter of a month or so i mean it was we were like wow this is crazy you know this guy's strong you know and and so we just kind of pulled him into our group it just slowly happened you know and and from there it was uh i think a joe's valley trip that i had planned and just started talking about, and I said, you know, I'd been once, and I said, guys, like, Joe's Valley, like, we have to go back there, you know? Mm-hmm. I just kind of badgered him enough to let me go with him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, if you're psyched, let's do this thing, you know? Because, you know, he, he'll he say this too, but he didn't have anything better to do, you know? He yeah. was just hanging out at the gym, like, you know, six days a week or whatever, seven days a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, dude, like, let's go outside, you sure. know? And so, and I think you ended up, uh, we went to a local area. It was like the first time you went outside with us. Yeah, well. a tiny little area just mm-hmm. off the Arkansas River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, um, from your perspective, mm-hmm. you know what what did you start doing uh, in terms of teaching? You know, you taught him how to belay. Sure. You got all these things that mm-hmm. that that Justin can touch, and you know. But then you're now you're actually just bouldering with them, mm-hmm. and so you taught bouldering probably to other people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, difference? Somebody just flailed on their problem. Yeah. One of the guys are super pissed. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> you know what? In your mind, like, were there differences about what was going on with teaching him versus anybody else? That's a good question. You know, I with Justin, he's so high-functioning that I never really look at him as being disabled, you okay. know, or any different there it, it just i typically guide and and pay attention a lot like I'm, I'm watching him because he can handle most things on his own but i'm kind of watching him too just in case he does need something you know like for example we're like doing a stream crossing and there are rocks everywhere you know and i'm spotting those out for him like hey th- this is here this is here you know and this there's this obstacle and this is there's a tree down there's a root right there you know and all this kind of stuff and that's on approaches typically, and then whenever we're to the boulder, I mean, it's he, he's relatively independent. When okay. we get to a boulder, he 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 can fill a lot of the holds. He may say, "Hey, like, you know, what's going on up here? You know, uh, after this hold, and, okay. and I'll say, okay, well, there's this and this, and and I'll talk him through the holds, and and you know, I often I don't give him too much beta unless he asks for it. You know, and then often he'll ask me, "Hey, can you call for me right here? You know, mm-hmm. can, can you call that foothold out for me?" and and so on. Yeah, yeah. so beta annoys you just as much as everybody else, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious because oftentimes when we go to a new gym, like I don't often tell people I'm visually impaired. Sometimes I do walk in with my cane, and they immediately know just because. You know, I do have my cane with me, like I was talking about. But most of the time, when we go into a facility, I don't say anything. But they see, like, like for instance, we were at a gym the other day, and uh, this gentleman was being kind enough to show us the entire facility, and just, you know, we were having a great time. But he was showing us everything, and just like, look at this, look at this. And the whole time, Matt's describing it to him, mm-hmm. to me, as soon as he says it. And I just can't imagine what was going through this guy's head like, no shit, I just 
show, like, look, like right. look at it, you know, like, but Matt's going through this whole process of describing each rat to me as we're walking along and like what, it, what things look like. And I'm just like, oh man, this guy probably thinks Matt's soft as rocker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm trying to sort of get to what kind of person in terms of, of your outlook in the world and stuff like that, you know, made you open enough to, to sort of become that person. And was it just a matter of, of any, like anybody else, like clicking with Justin's personality as a friend and, and realizing that's what it was going to take or, um, you know, because I mean, it, it, there is some, yeah. especially in the first trips, right? Cause you don't know each other that mm-hmm. well no. to be like, Oh, we're going to take this guy, you know, mm-hmm. to, to Joe's with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just taking some stranger ish type person to Joe's regardless, you know, right. like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know if I want to go with that guy. Who is he? Right. You know, but you're going to have this added responsibility. What, yeah. you know, what kind of, I mean, is it just in your personality to be like, I'm going to try this out and see if it's going to work out for me or us. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question because some people would just be like, Oh, I don't know. I can't, sure. I can't be that guy or I can't sure. handle that, you know? Sure. Well, I think I think there's a, a few things happening. Mm-hmm. You know, definitely Justin and I just click. You know, we, we listen to a lot of the same music. We're from the same era. You know, we both rode BMX. You okay. know, there's a lot of connection points already. You know, simultaneously, I'm coming from a background of just having a servant heart. You know. Mm-hmm. And like my parents are, you know, ready to serve. My grandparents ready to serve, you know, and they were never, they're always saying, you know, just, just be humble, serve people, you know, love people, you know, and, and when you see an opportunity to serve, you do it, you know, you do that. And, and so for me, that's how I live my life is, is just, you know, trying to, find opportunity and, and take advantage of opportunity to do things like that. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's very fulfilling, right? you know, and it's, it's awesome to have like my best friend also able to serve him in all these ways, you know, being, you know, his personal chauffeur, for example, you know, that's like, that's fun for me, right. you know, that's fun. I like to drive. And so it's, well, that's, that's pretty cool. It's, and it's great. You know, it's like, we got this Bo character from the first start of this thing. Bo was the first. Yeah. yeah. And then Matt, it's like, I mean, you've, you've gotten, I mean, you've gotten pretty lucky. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel pretty fortunate cool. to yeah. have landed in these certain situations where, like, yeah, I mean, we, Matt and I joke that, you know, in our past lives, like, we see so many similarities in our, like, our old homies. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I see some of Bo and Matt, and I see some of my old buddy Jacob, and so on, just because, like, it's like, we have, like, this mesh of all these different old friends in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we just get along, and we were like, oh, you're, that's like Jordan, and you want to do yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's like, yeah, it's been, a, it's been quite a, quite a fun experience. So I want to get a little heavy, maybe. I don't know. Um, I have a question written down here. You, you keep mentioning that you've got uh, the generation that's continuing. Sure. Um, and the prognosis may be eventually no sight whatsoever. Uh, or is it? I don't know. Is well, that, so the doctors have told right. me I'll never be completely blind, but they don't okay. know how severe it'll right. get. And like I mentioned to you at some point, my left eye is getting dark and it's mm-hmm. way worse. Um, and so that's just kind of how my vision works. One eye will decrease and the other one will follow suit. And then it's always the left eye that goes right. first. I mean, how do you feel about that? Is it something that, that you know, is frightening or is it something that you're just rolling with in terms of the future? I mean, I think at this point, you know, dealing with the vision loss I have now and getting to a point where I can be a professional, like, elite athlete is kind of like proven to me that I can just deal with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I end up going completely blind, so be it. If I end up losing a limb, so be it. If I end up dying on some whatever, you know, high so ball. be it. Yeah, it's probably going to be a highball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for Let's sure. Let's not let that happen, man. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> we just can't have Matt fuck up in some tragic <laughs> Terry, you know. terrible way. We, we can't put that much pressure on okay. him, for sure. It's not your problem. It's not your no. fault. No. Um, right. well, pre, pre-forgiveness for that. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the adaptive competition because sure. we've touched on it. Um, and what, I mean, just literally, what do those look like? Um, same as same as all climbing competitions, different. Uh, what, what are you doing in those? So I'd say um, for for nationals for adaptive events, it's not quite the same as like an able body uh, national event. Most of the time, they because there is so many categories and mm-hmm. they're 
there are uh, so many different athletes. Um, they often do red point comps because they're just, you know, like it would take a couple of days to do a, an on-site style comp where we're held in ISO for that amount of people. Um, I think it can get to that place, and I want it to get to that place because that's really what, you know, I want to be, I want it to have the same format as any other able-bodied competition. Mm -hmm. um, but the IFSC events, just as real as any other uh, competition, um, it's obviously a little bit different um, in the way that the routes are set, and they can't, you know, have this a different route for every single category. Um, but for the, especially for, I mean, I can really only speak for the visually impaired side of things, but um, the routes are very cryptic. They're very hard to call for. So we've been doing drills and learning how to like, I'll, oftentimes I climb myself into like dead ends. And so we're going to, we're doing drills now where he'll purposefully climb me into a dead end and break my sequence on purpose and then be like, all right, well now you have to down climb and keep going. Um, so that's been really interesting. Um, and, you know, they're, they set a lot of cryptic moves and, you know, like hard body tensiony sequences, like specific. It's almost, it's fun because I kind of joke and say, well, adaptive comps and visually impaired comps are kind of the, the last of real rock climbing in competition <laughs> because a lot of this, a lot of the time, like the new school style, the new skate style, style boulders and competitions are just jumpy, dynamic, swingy, kind of all this parkour, you know, inf influence stuff. But for uh, the visually impaired side of things, it's very pure uh, tension climbing that's reminiscent of real rock. And so um, oftentimes no dynamic moves are set, no dynos are set. And, you know, I know Mark Verser is going to be doing the um, the world championship setting this year and very good route set that uh, uh, does a fantastic job of setting for all the different categories. And um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And how often do you compete? As much as I can, honestly. Um, in the past, we haven't been able to run the adaptive World Cup circuit because we haven't had the funds to do so. Mm -hmm. um, but slowly, we're trying to get to a place where we can start just doing the World Cup circuits like uh, any other athlete. But um, we do uh, the adaptive nationals are held once a year. You know, I think we're going to eventually start trying to work our way into able-bodied comps as well. I think I'd like to do the SOL showdown here soon and um, you know, just kind of feel it out and see how I am competing alongside other able-bodied athletes. But, of course, I'll have to have Matt there as my caller. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then what does your, like, outside climbing look like in terms of how often do you do you go on trips like the trips to Joe's and sure. and stuff like that, or are you pretty focused at the moment on on uh, indoor and competition climbing? Sure. Yeah, I I mean my outdoor and indoor flip flop a lot. Um, I my heart is outside. It's where it all started. I've always been an outdoorsy person. Real rock is way more responsive and tactile feel, of course, is very important to me. So feeling and finding the subtleties in stone and climbing on real stone is the you know absolutely the most important thing to me so way more proficient and outside i'd say we go on some up trips you know months at a time and you know just trying to spend as much time as we can outside we enjoy joe's valley quite a bit as i have mentioned but starting to explore every you know all the different climbing areas in the united states and then for the world championships we'll be able to go to font and some of these areas that we've always wanted to go to oh right on yeah it'll be a lot of fun mm -hmm. and then uh but for now we're focused on indoor training and sport climbing and um you know for the uh adaptive world cup they do um top rope only for now um, and so I do a lot of leading in the gym just to, you know, stay proficient, stay on my toes. And then when I do get to the world championships, it's just like, oh, I'm only on top rope. I just may as well barge it. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we're pretty strict about the training plan and trying not to do stupid things where I can get injured. Like, no, you know, trying to do one arm pull ups with like 30 pounds hanging off of me or anything silly like that. Mm -hmm. So. 
just trying to stay healthy and stay fit. Do you have sort of a strength coach or those sorts of things as well? So it works out that, you know, Matt being a coach and developing his professional coaching side of things has okay. worked pretty symbiotically in our our relationship of he's, you know, writing training plans for all these different people. And then he's also kind of bringing me up to help teach. And so we ping pong ideas off of each other constantly about how to write training plans and improve, mm-hmm. you know, not just me, but each other. And so it's been pretty, a lot of fun. And what about your, Matt, your personal aspirations around climbing and bouldering? Yeah, yeah. Um, Gosh, climbing outside is my thing, for sure. You know, that's a very similar story to Justin. And uh, for me, I've got a lot of boulder problems that are on my list. Um, Right now, we're in Colorado, and, you know, we're going to go up into the Alpine here the next uh, week or so, week and a half. And I want to try to go do beer stat at Mount Evans and the Dolly. And haven't I've wanted to get on those things and haven't had a chance to yet. So those are on my list. Uh, Whispers of Wisdom in the park. That's like one of the huge ones on my list. Super class. So okay. I've spent, spent one session on it and did a lot of the moves. So just need to acquire the fitness to mm-hmm. do the whole thing. So have you guys been up there together? Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. It's pretty terrifying. Is it? Especially yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. Lincoln, no. yeah, Lincoln Lake is savage. Like, <laughs> Lincoln's difficult, man. I'm, I, I find myself calling all the way to the boulders. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of the jumbled. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's just jumbled I mean, giant the, talus. Mm-hmm. The approach for me feels like B6. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I find myself just like I have trekking poles. I use like my canes when I go outside, and so I'm just like poking around all the time, and then I'm like my whole cane goes down a t- old pit, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to go down that way. And then when we go with our buddies and friends that are local, they're just like little mountain goats hopping around all over the place. And I'm waving my cane like, I'm coming, you know, <laughs> I'm on my way. Yeah, that, it's just, you know, it's easy to, I mean, talking to you and, um, you know, you're so positive and you're so like gung-ho. It's easy to think like, oh, yeah, it's probably just a little harder. But then there has to be some stuff like that where it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a big, big difference. I mean, it's been interesting, actually. We've been coming to Colorado for Alpine season for three years now. Mm-hmm. And the past two years, I have not climbed well at all. Um, it's been like a huge training platform to not just learn how to navigate, but like having the fitness to always be readjusting your feet and like, you know, kind of, I end up stumbling a lot and it's hard to move over talus, but it's like, well, I, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm trying to get to, you know, even if we go to the upper, upper, so be it, you know, it's going to be heinous, but I'm, there's cool rigs up there. So it's got to go where the cool boulders are. Yeah. So is there anything uh, kind of a, to wrap this up, like, um, and it's kind of a weird question, but, you know, if you guys turn up at the cliff or at the bouldering area or whatever, is there anything anybody y- you'd wish they knew ahead of time? I mean, maybe that we would just want to kick it with them. Right? Yeah. You know, that, yeah. yeah. We're just like totally down to just meet new people and hang out and just vibe with people. Yeah. So. I mean, I think sometimes people get caught off guard because we make a lot of really bad blind jokes and things <laughs> like, like yeah. we just like you know we grew up of course you know i i talked about kind of being a rebellious kid and i know oh, yeah. matt grew up in the same kind of oh, yeah. realm and so <laughs> the banter is pretty heavy and you know we just don't really give a shit so it's it's been fun and i think we got to be careful at times because you know we have to have a filter you know occasionally and mm-hmm. it's important to not not be so crass around everybody mm-hmm. but you I've know. definitely put my foot in my mouth <laughs> multiple times with people yeah. and kind of be like, how dare you, you right. know? And I'm like, oh, gosh, you were offended by that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was saying it to him. You right. know? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, just kind of part of our relationship. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was talking with a, one of my managers recently. He was like, how should I refer to you as? And I was like, Are, you know, is it visually impaired, legally blind, what have you? And I was just like, I don't really, I mean... I prefer visually impaired, you know, like if we're going to talk like in terms of kind of the professional side of things and like specifically what it is. And, um, but I was like, I don't really care if you just like, Hey, there's that blind AF dude over there, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, but of course that's kind of just, you know, I don't like it when anybody does that, you know, that's kind of just for Matt and I, or, you know, just for the people that have earned that trust and sure. Um, so yeah, you know, if anyone were to just come around and start saying that, we might have to 
have a chat, you know. Right. But that's normal, <laughs> though, too. Yeah. I mean, you call your, your friends all sorts of horrible shit. If that's some stranger calls, you'd be like, dude, yeah, like, yeah. what are we starting here? Yeah, you know? exactly. like, yeah, so. For sure. Well, cool. Well, thanks, you guys, for sitting down. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been wrapped. This is really, really awesome. And, and uh, again, like, the the sort of misfortune, if you want to call it that, um, led into this good fortune in so many different ways for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It definitely seems like you're leading a pretty balanced life with what you're up against. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you letting us have this opportunity. I mean, we've been listening to the normal cast ever since I started climbing, so. Long time. Yeah. And we, you know, big thanks to Tension for letting us do this at, at the old Tension Horde headquarters. Yeah, we're in the yeah, Tension yeah. headquarters. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, good place, good homies. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Will England for letting us do this. Thanks, homie. folks thanks for listening and thanks to justin and matt for sitting down those guys are like a ready-made buddy movie who's 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 ready to write that film about those guys okay but before you go before you shut this thing down remember there is a new way to help out the podcast and that is by visiting the store over at enormacast.com we kind of blew out a lot of the sizes of the t-shirts i'm working on that got an order in just waiting for those to show up but we do have hats over there from Peter W. Gilroy. Custom art on these things from Peter. Titanium art affixed these hats, rumored to be able to stop a bullet. Just rumors, that. Also, the rumor is, is that Peter has a magic arrowhead that he uses to hand carve each and every one of those plaques that are put on the hats. A lot of rumors coming out of Santa Fe. Nevertheless, check out the hats over there. Check out all the goods I am going to try to add items to that shop like, who knows, maybe some EnormaCast sweatbands, wrist sweatbands from the EnormaCast. If they were good enough for tennis players in the 1970s, they're good enough for us now, right? I mean, a sweatband, what about all that wrist sweat that you have? You know how you deal with wrist sweat? You put a little warmer on your wrist to make it sweat more. That's how you deal. What, what are sweatbands actually for? Does anybody know? All right. You guys know what to do now. Get out there. Have some fun. Enjoy the outdoors. And, of course, remember to check your knot. You are the new student. Come closer. You cannot see. You think I cannot see. Of all things, to live in darkness must be the worst. Fear is the only darkness.